What's up, guys? So we are going to continue rolling through the NFC East right now. And the second team I'm going to break down is the Philadelphia Eagles. <clears throat> so we'll start at the top with quarterback Carson Wentz. Um, I like Wentz. I, I really like what Wentz did over the final five games of 2019, which was complete 66% of his passes, average 301 pass yards per game. At 6.9 yards per attempt, not great in the, on that area, but that's fine. He was dicing him up and being very careful, evidenced by his 10 touchdown passes to only one interception. So one thing weird, he did fumble eight times in that stretch, but I think he only lost one or two of them. Uh, he needs to obviously work on that a little bit, but that's sort of – that's just kind of fluky to me. I don't I don't think it's something we need to be concerned with. Um, Wentz is currently being drafted as QB 10 going in round seven or eight. So I'm fine with that. Like if you if you're higher on Wentz than I am, I, and the only reason I say if you're higher on Wentz than I am is because I I just don't think I'm high enough on any quarterback to spend a seventh or eighth round pick on them only because of what's available in rounds nine or 10 or 11. Like for example, I would, I like Wentz, but I'm, I would prefer to go a different direction to go like something like Matthew Stafford or Daniel Jones in the 10th or 11th rounds or even 12th rounds, you know? So that's kind of where I'm at with that. So nothing against Wentz. I like him a lot of things. You have a nice, nice season for himself, especially with the improvements made at wide receiver and bringing Jason Peters back is only going to make the offensive line better. So I like him, and if you like him enough, if you don't, let's say if you don't like Stafford or Daniel Jones or any of the other guys I, I've mentioned in the past few days up, uh, in terms of late-round quarterbacks, then just take Wentz. That's fine. Seventh or eighth-round pick, he'll return value. He's not going to, uh, you know, God forbid, he doesn't get hurt. He's, he's going to return value. He'll be fine. So, <clears throat> um. And okay, so now running back position. The running back position is interesting because in Doug Peterson's tenure in Philadelphia, we haven't really seen um, a consistent bell cow guy. But let me just throw this out there. So I, as many of you have reminded me, <laughs> I have uh, I had Miles Sanders rated ahead of Josh Jacobs coming out of college, and I'm totally fine with where I'm at with that right now. Uh, and all of a sudden, it was like Miles Sanders came on very strong towards the end of the year. But over the first half of last season, a lot of people were were DMing me, reminding me of where I had the guys. And I was like, hey, it's not over yet here. I'm not I'm not standing by and saying, oh, Miles Sanders still definitely better than Josh Jacobs. But what I was saying is like, hey, it's been eight games of their careers, guys. Like, let's relax a little bit and see what happens. But so far, yeah, Jacobs does look like the better player. But he was also getting the opportunities. Miles Sanders over the first 10 games <clears throat> was getting 8.7 carries per game, averaging 37 rush yards a game, and he had one total touchdown over his first 10 games. That's what he had rushing. Receiving, he was being targeted three times a game, caught 2.4 of them for 31 yards and one touchdown. So 10 games, two total touchdowns, averaging 68 yards per game. That's rushing and receiving. Over the final six games, he was averaging 15 carries per game for 74 yards a game, and he had two total touchdowns. Receiving, 
receiving, he was at 5.3 targets per game. So 4.3 catches and 32 and a half yards, two touchdowns. So total touches per game and total yards per game over his final six. Um, he was at 19.6 touches, 106.5 yards and four touchdowns. So you're basically, let's round up and say 20 for 107 and, and a touchdown or almost a touchdown per game. Not so bad, right? So, but now here's the only issue. As high as I was on Miles Sanders, which I was amongst the highest pre-draft last season, I'm all of a sudden excited and I'm banging the table for him like a month or two ago saying like he's a better value than Kamara because you can get him far later. Then I look up his ADP and he's going in like the second or third round. He's going in the mid, I'm sorry, he's going in the mid second round being drafted as RB11. Whew. Okay, so now I'm like being pulled multiple directions emotionally and just based on my where I had him pre-draft and where I had him mid-season to boom, all of a sudden now it's looking like you guys, at least the consensus of people drafting, have rated Sanders high, much higher than I would. So if Miles is there in like the mid-third round or something like that, I'm totally happy to take him. And don't get this confused as me saying he can't be in every down back. I definitely think he can. But I want to see and I want to know, because right now in the back of my mind, I'm a little bit nervous that Doug Peterson is going to sign another running back. And that, you know, I, I just I've never we've never seen Doug Peterson go into a season with so few running backs, so to speak. Like, I mean, we've seen him go in. LeGarrette Blunt, Jay Ajayi, Darren Sproles. Like, this guy loves to stockpile his running backs and he loves to get them all involved. Like, I mean, he had, we've seen several guys be fantasy relevant under Doug Peterson. So, am I ready to spend a second round pick on Miles Sanders? Not quite. As much as I love him and I want that to happen because I want him to do as well as I, as I said he would pre draft, right? But I'm a little bit concerned that. There's another guy in this whole backfield, too, that will still get involved. And I'm a little bit concerned that they may sign somebody like Devontae Freeman. And now all of a sudden we're seeing full-blown running back by committee. Like the, it, the concern for me is we are just that close at all times to seeing a full-blown running back by committee. Yeah, like if they sign Devontae Freeman, now what? You know what I mean? You could – let's say I was drafting right now. <clears throat> well, He's just going to be off of my list of guys to draft because if if I if I spend a second or third round pick on Sanders right now, and then a week later the Eagles sign Devontae Freeman, well now what? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I'm not going to even if somebody wanted to trade, I'm not going to. And that's not to say Devontae Freeman would would uh, beat him out in terms of touches, but that would just look to me like a pretty full blown committee. So. At that point, I would be rating Sanders as a high-end flex guy, you know, maybe a low-end RB2. But so can he work his way up to his ADP by draft time? If I hear some good coach speak and and Doug Peterson says, like, no, nah, man, we're going to roll with Miles. You know, we're going to give him 25, 30 touches a game, like the Panthers said about Christian McCaffrey before the 2018 season. If I hear some good stuff like that and, I'm, and I see that the – 
Philly uh, Eagles beat writers are talking about how Miles is going to touch 20 times a game. Well, that yeah, that changes everything. But right now, I just feel like a couple days after the draft, they could sign Devontae Freeman and bring him in there. He's a guy that fits their system anyways. Bring him in there and, and give him you know, 6 to 12 touches per game. And now all of a sudden, I don't know what to do because there's another guy in this backfield, and his name is Boston Scott. And Boston, over the final four games of 2019, averaged about roughly 15 touches per game for 87 yards a game and one touchdown per game. He was getting, he caught 23 of 25 targets for 199 yards in those four games. So basically, 50 yards receiving. He was still getting nine and a half carries, 38 yards a game, four touchdowns rushing. So this guy is available in the 13th round as RB 50. And if they don't, if they don't sign another running back, I think it's a total almost it's a, it's like a super great value to grab Boston Scott in the 13th round as a guy that you may be able to start every week in your flex. Because as I've been saying, even if they don't sign somebody like Devontae Freeman or somebody that's going to eat significantly into uh, or somebody that will make it more of a full blown running back by committee in Philly. I don't think Sanders is going to start playing 90% of the snaps. So if they roll with it like it is, I think we're going to actually see Boston Scott in the old Darren Sproles type of role where he gets 10 to 12 touches per game. And I think that with, with the way Boston Scott can catch the football, I think that would make Boston Scott a legitimate flex option, at least a matchup based flex option, you know, sort of like how Darren Sproles was before he got hurt and in the past year. So Something interesting to keep an eye on in Philly. I want Miles Sanders to be the guy. I want to spend my second round pick on him, but I just am not ready to to commit to that just yet. And I really like the value of Boston Scott in the late, late rounds. Okay, moving on to the tight end position. So going into this, just intuitively, I, I was like, yeah, I like Ertz, but not for the price. And I and I love Goddard for his price. Then I did some working, uh, did some work breaking down the two tight ends, and Ertz started off the first eight games of 2019. First of all, let me tell you his ADP real quick. Sorry, Ertz is being drafted as tight end four. He's going in the fourth round. In the first eight games of 2019, Ertz was being targeted eight times a game. Uh, he was catching about four and a half of them, and averaging 53 yards a game. He had one touchdown in the first eight games. Over the final seven games, Ertz was being targeted over 10 times per game. He was catching over seven for 70 yards and five total touchdowns. So much better. Um, My take on Ertz remains basically the same as it did. I'm, I'm very encouraged by what he did over the final seven games as opposed to the pre, uh, first eight. He missed, or I guess he sat out week 17. But he's a really good player, really good player, and he's and he's. Could he return value in the fir- in the fourth round? Absolutely. But let me just spin it to you this way, and I keep doing this to anybody that has a fourth round ADP. But like, if you're sitting there in the fourth round, are you going to take Zach Ertz or Odo Beckham Jr.? You know what I mean? It's <clears throat> it's just. The, the amount of quality players available in the fourth round this year, especially at the wide receiver position and the running back position, but um, 
it makes it really tough for me to take a guy who we just saw last year over the first eight games was averaging basically four and a half catches for 50 yards and scored one touchdown in the first eight games. You know, then all the wide receivers got injured in Philly and then Ertz sees over 10 targets per game, catches seven for 70 and five, you know, five touchdowns. So that's great. But now we've seen a, a bunch of wide receivers added to the mix. There a bunch of young, talented wide receivers and even a veteran guy in Goodwin. We've seen a lot of an influx of talent there. So, with that and the addition or the emergence of Dallas Godert, are we to draft Zach Ertz in the fourth round based on past success? I'm going to pass on that. Um, I understand he's going to go there and his ADP will probably stay there, but I'm going to be quote unquote willing to miss on Zach Ertz at a fourth round price tag. <clears throat> Dallas Godert, he's a guy I was thinking. In the 11th round, that's money in the bank. Take Godert. Let me go over just a little bit of of the splits numbers-wise with Dallas Godert. Over his first nine games, he was being targeted about four times a game. He caught 2.7 balls per game over those first nine games. 2.7 receptions for 28.6 yards. He did have four touchdowns, which is awesome, especially considering that's like a ridiculous touchdowns per reception ratio. But over the final six games, his targets went from 4.2 to 8.2. His receptions went from 2.7 a game to 5.7 per game. And his yards more than doubled, 28 to 58. Uh, Touchdowns went down mainly because those went to Ertz, essentially. One touchdown over the final six games. So where do I stand with Godert? I'll take him at the price. I'll take him at the that eleventh, um, twelfth round ADP for sure. But I don't think I'm willing to take Godert as my only tight end at that at that price because we saw the first nine games he was catching basically two and a half for twenty nine yards per game. Uh, that's that's not very encouraging or. or that doesn't tell me that I can rely on him to be just a consistent starting tight end. So at the wide receiver position, the guy that has definitely the most upside of the group is Jalen Rieger. So I really, I liked Rieger a lot coming out. I had him as a, I think a late one, early two uh, grade, meaning late first, early second round guy. Um, I like him a lot, man. He's strong. He's got that play strength that's rare for the for the wide receiver position in terms of like he like DJ Moore, similar similarly to DJ Moore, where he just kind of turns into a running back, can break arm tackles, and also has the dynamic ability to get up the field and make guys miss and just create big plays. So Rieger is awesome. And at the eleventh round ADP. I see from him right now, he's definitely a guy that you're going to want to own at that price. Um, I mean, it's weird. There's a lot of really good value at that position at that time in the draft. But Jalen Rieger is a guy that I believe very strongly can can finish the season at, as a mid to low end wide receiver, too. Um and that's rare. He's in a really unique situation. So first of all, the thing that's going for him well, that's it's positive for him is that he's got Doug Peterson as his offensive coordinator. Um, even though there are a lot of guys in that wide receiver room for the Eagles, 
there's not actually a guy that's as talented as he is. Like he's definitely the best player in that room. I know there's a big divide on him. It seems like just from fans where a lot of either, either fans like love Rieger or they hate him. It's really weird. I don't know why you'd hate him. His production was only, was only the way that it was because of quarterback play offensive system, no, no fault of his own. Like there, other than some drops that he will clean up, there was really no, nothing that Rieger did that contributed to his lack of production. So um, I wouldn't worry about that. He's in the complete opposite situation now in Philadelphia where he has Doug Peterson calling the plays and <clears throat> uh, Carson Wentz throwing him the football. I like his situation a lot. It's just going to be a matter of how fast, how fast can he pick up the offense and actually get everything to where the coaches have confidence in him. Um, the other guy that I, I know everybody's into Deshaun Jackson. You can get him really late, and that's fine. Um, but he's just going to be a boom-bust weekly guy. Like It's going to be such a pain in the ass trying to figure out when you should actually play him versus when you should sit him because he's going to have games where he's just got one catch for nine yards, and then he's going to have another one where he has four catches for 120 and three touchdowns. Like, it's going to be a pain in the ass trying to figure it out. So I would just rather not have him on my team just, be, just for that reason. <clears throat> Alshon Jeffrey is a guy that if they even have him on the roster for week one, if they do plan on playing with him this year, he's a guy that because you can get him so late in like the 13th round or something like that, he's, he's going to return value because if he has a role, he will have a somewhat high floor, very limited ceiling. Um, you know, a guy that'll probably be a flex option and that's technically good value, but similarly to Deshaun Jackson, it's going to be a pain in the ass to try and figure out what to do with Alshon Jeffrey. Like, I don't think he's, we, I think we've seen his best days all. I don't mean any disrespect to, Alshon, he's a, he's was a very very good player for a, a long time in this league, but I think we've si- kind of seen his best days. Even if he has a good fifty catch year, I think that having him on your team will just be confusing because it, it'll be kind of like, damn, like I can't bench him, but he's not going to have one hundred and fifty yards. Like he's not going to have those big games that he that he used to have. So I would prefer to just stay away unless you really don't have another option and you, and you need another receiver at that point in the draft, then I, then I can see taking him, but um, he's a guy I'm quote unquote willing to miss on even at that cheap of a price. Um, JJ or Sega Whiteside. I have no clever little statistic to back or support my claim here, but our Sega Whiteside is a guy that you can get for pennies right now. <clears throat> and he's a guy that, absolutely has the talent has the mindset I, li- I recently heard an interview with him on uh Sirius XM where he told he was telling the guys that were interviewing him that basically last year he was trying too hard you know to be too perfect and that's kind of what faulted him he was trying to be professional to the point of like he was trying to be a pro trying to be a pro and it was just kind of taking him out of who he was and he was maybe just pressing a little bit which to me makes total sense and we've seen guys we've seen many 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 examples of a rookie wide receiver particularly wide receiver trying to come in and trying to contribute right away and he's being a lot's being asked of him and he just didn't quite it just didn't click <clears throat> um he has a ton 
of football intelligence and overall intelligence coming from Stanford. He has a ton of ability being a big guy that can make adjustments on the ball, that can run routes, really run routes at that size. And he's a guy that I'm not really, I'm not willing to give up on yet. So I would be totally willing to grab him in the very late rounds, if even at all. I mean, and, and I want him on my team, honestly, like I would much prefer him to either Deshaun Jackson or Alshon Jeffrey, just so take that for what it's worth. Uh, Marquise Goodwin is a guy that I think that is definitely worth owning. Um, because again, he's another guy trying to, find his ADP here sorry he's another guy you can get late you know I know that much like you can get him late and he he will he I'm not gonna say will like it's a certainty but I think that he's gonna produce for you and all these receivers it's so strange that <clears throat> all of them you can get in the 11th round or later so that's that's pretty interesting um but I think the ones that I would even look at after the 11th round are most definitely Rieger. I'll take Rieger in the ninth or 10th because I just think that the way the level of talent gap between him and, and everybody else at this point in their careers is very significant. So I think Rieger is the guy um, to own there. I think Marquise Goodwin, or I mean, uh, JJ or Sega Whiteside would be next. Goodwin would be third. And then I really liked Quez Watkins coming out. He has a bunch of speed, but it's gonna be hard for him to make this roster. So I'm looking for I'm looking to own Jalen Rieger in this in this receiving core and uh, JJ Arcega Whiteside. I think Goodwin has a chance to be a solid player, but at his ceiling somewhat limited. I don't see a bunch of you know production coming out of him, but um, I definitely like Rieger and I definitely like JJ. So that's my take on the Eagles, guys. I also, as always, like their defense. I think their secondary is actually good this year. So it'll be interesting to see what happens with a good pass rush, good front seven. The linebackers are a little iffy, but the uh, the pass rush should be really good. So um, I'm definitely willing, uh, interested to see how Darius' big play slay looks in this defense. And they're a defense that will probably finish in the top 12, I would imagine, uh, by the end of the year. So I'm not sure if you draft defenses early, but I don't, um, they're not one I don't think will go early, but I think they will be a good unit overall. So yeah, if you guys want to talk about my thoughts on Philly, hit me up. Um, basically Carson Wentz is fine. Boston Scott's a great value. Jalen Rieger's a great value and potential steal, potential wide receiver too. Um, Miles Sanders at this point, I'm not touching him in a second. I would in the third, but it'd have to be mid to late. And uh, yeah, I mean those those are kind of the highlights of it. I'm I'm not loving the tight end situation and all that, but um, yeah, guys, let me know what you think at Fairshake Football on Instagram at Fairshake FB on Twitter. My DMs are open. Thanks for listening.